Welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. This is Shelby, and today I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm interviewing three people at one time. I'm going to be interviewing the people who run Integrity Lash in Pasadena, California. I have Paul and Tessany, who are the owners, and also Erica, who's on the leadership team. The three of them host the LashCast podcast, and if you're not listening to that already, I highly recommend it. I had the pleasure of meeting Paul and Tessany at the most recent team-based pay conference in San Antonio, Texas. They're some of the nicest people that I've met in this industry so far, and they've always shown their support for Lash Boss Radio. They actually had me on their show as well. So as soon as you're listening to this episode, you can go check out the episode that I'm referring to where they interviewed me right after this. I will link everything below in the show notes to Integrity Lash and also LashCast Podcast. So go check it out. And if you're listening today, make sure to tag both Lash Boss Radio and LashCast Podcast and let us know that you're listening. And without further ado, here's episode 29. Okay, so I first just want to hear about the background behind Integrity Lash first. And then I also want to hear about like the start of LashCast. But I guess, Tessany, was Integrity Lash the name that you were going by whenever you were solo? Or how did that come about? Well, actually, this was when I first started was 2006. And nobody knew what lashes were. So on my the the name of the business was integrity skin. And basically, my home marketing was like, once you came in for a skincare service, I would give you, you know, you were my my captive, and I would give you lashes and Mm -hmm. therefore introduce it. Because I, I knew if I put a lash on that, I just was not sure if anybody would know what it was or, you know, skincare, it was at least it was it's a beauty, beauty service. And then it wasn't until I moved to this location in 2010 that I dropped the skin because lashes had finally caught on at that time. And then it became integrity lash. Well, actually, at first was integrity skin. And that was because of skin integrity. You want to help people's skin yeah. integrity, right? And then oh. then it went from, yeah, the skin integrity. Not and wanted. it became, um, I wanted to protect the integrity of people's lashes. Yeah. So it was about um, wanting to protect the integrity of people's lashes. And I thought, oh, that's perfect. It's just, it just works out perfectly. Yeah. And the irony is that we don't protect people's lashes. Yeah, we damage them. Yeah. That's totally what we're all about. <laughs> No, I'm no, just kidding. kidding. We're just kidding. We're totally kidding. Lash Boss Radio, get ready for Paul's dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry. I know I thought it's cool because y'all st- stick out to me as a team because I see y'all's Instagram stories sometimes and y'all sometimes record your meetings and they always look so fun. And I always thought that Integrity Lash, the name came from y'all as as a team having integrity and mm. like the way that you run your business but that's cool that it started out as like a skincare thing well um, um originally I'll, I'll just add to that one of the reasons why i called it integrity skin was i had been working at other places most of my background has been medical working with uh, different plastic surgeons and it was really important to me that i would be able to recommend skincare treatments and and products that were the best for the the client, not necessarily because I was having to push a, a certain line or a certain agenda or a certain treatment. So when I mm-hmm. went out on my own, that was one of the things that was really important to me was I was going to be recommending things with integrity, not because it yes. was catchy or gimmicky, but I was going to planning, I was planning to explain why something was good and make, make it fit that way instead of it, this is the product line that I'm carrying and you you must use it. So it is one of our values. I mean, we have on our wall behind it, which you, you can see a little bit up there, but no one else No, Maybe when you do YouTube, like, or, yeah, <laughs> whenever that comes out. Well, that'll be the same day. Anyhow, we can edit that out. Uh, on the back wall there, we have all our values. And one of them is integrity, actually, which the team picked, which was really funny because we we did this a few years ago and they didn't pick integrity as one of our values. So it was like, oh, no. yeah, it was really funny because integrity always has been a value. We just want to say we are, we are the same people when no one's looking. And that's yes. something that's so important to us. I'm not, we're not trying to do a show in a sense like we're trying like, Hey, on a radio show or a talk show or, or podcast, we're one thing, but in real life, it's another thing. We try mm-hmm. to be open and honest and sincere. And we're with that with our team. We've always been very transparent with our team about everything. They know about all the crazy things that happen. And mm-hmm. it's just important. I think having that integrity in how you do live your life is a, can be a hallmark. And I think a great way, a legacy, hopefully one day people will look at you. Well, and it, it, even I feel like I've heard you say, well, 
you know, as much as I'd like to cut that corner, we can't because our name is yeah. yeah, our name is integrity. Yeah. Like we it holds you to that level. Yeah, yeah. You really can't behave any other way. Exactly. It's right. it's tough. I mean, there's times Erica is like really this I mean, you've been so honest. I love this. You're like, I think this is compromising our integrity. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I didn't see I that. I wish our name was Marginal Lashes. <laughs> marginal Lashes. Then we could get away with that. Marginal Lashes. Uh, That'll be my company that I open and compete with Integrity. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> so how did you go from, like, what made you go from a solo artist to owning a salon? Like, I, I assume that, you know, all of this pretty much started with you. So what was your vision when you first started out? Well, I, at the time, I did not know what I did not know. And like a lot of people, I thought, oh, this is, you know, well, the thing is, is that I, I, I was really booked and had an overflow in my schedule. And I thought, well, I, I need more people to meet the need. And so I'm going to need to hire people. And I had no idea what that meant. I just thought I had the mindset, I'm going to hire other people so I can spend less time in, in, in the job. Right. Cause 2009 was the time when no, this was, happened. Uh, oh yeah. No, it was about 2007. Your first employer is 2009. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. But that said, I just know that, or maybe it was 2008 or very latest, but mm-hmm. all I remember is my dad, we told my dad, Hey, we're going to test. He's going to hire a first employee. My dad's like, why would you do that? <laughs> it's like, are you sure? Are you sure? Because Managing people is not the same skill as doing lashes. Those are two totally different worlds. So it's not easy. It's going to be very difficult, and it has been. So there were good reasons at first. You know, you know, want to. I needed some help, and and that's therefore, you know, you need to have staff to do that. Yeah. You know, since then I've had to learn, you know, how to grow new muscles and and leadership and things like that. Mm-hmm. At what point did Paul come on board? Okay. Wow. Yeah. But a hard story. Well, at the time, like I said, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I wasn't super discerning with hiring and I pulled a lot from the clients that I work with. And, you know, that's not necessarily a good idea because what, how somebody behaves and how you know them as a client isn't the same as knowing them as a person or a friend or as a staff member. And so I thought if I got along with somebody that therefore, you know, it would be a good work fit, not even going into, are you qualified? Yeah. So I, Mm -hmm. one of the gals that I hired to do all my books and looking back now, I just shudder at how naive I was. I, you know, it was a gal and I said, here, I want you to be in charge of all the bookkeeping. Here's all my bank accounts. Here's you have our credit card. Let me just sign over everything. You have power of, you can take all the money out. You can deposit. I mean, I was just so naive and just like, I trust you. And that was not a good person to put my trust in at the time. It, it turned out there was some theft and, and I just. Yeah, a lot of theft. Oh, there was a lot of theft. And I, but it, it took me a it while to happened. figure it out. We basically, we bounce, start bouncing checks. And I'm like, wait a minute, we should have money in the bank. And she came up with a story that she was, she put her, deposit her own check in like on it's Monday. It's a long, uh, sorry story. You don't need to I won't go into details. It was just a lot of money. So <laughs> I just realized. Oh, oh my goodness. You can't just, just because somebody tells you that they're doing something or tells you that they're honest doesn't mean that they are. Yeah. And I was, you know, trying to juggle, uh, you know, the staff and the scheduling and all that. And I just came, you know, with, with tears in my eyes and said, I just need to be able to trust somebody to, uh, to do this. And uh, why you picked me? Because <laughs> I trust you. Oh, okay. That's I why. I, I, but I knew that it would get to Paul is very gifted with administration, so he is really good with details, and and so I knew I knew to handle it, and and you did. I mean, there were times when I would not add tips into my the, the I wouldn't batch things. I just would not be. I was just the worst with administration. Yeah, no, Tuscany. Here's the truth. I was there from the beginning. Beginning, like when we when she first was mobile, I would drive with her in the yeah. car, drop her off, lug in the massage bed. Set it up, and then she would like bring go in the steam. bring in the steamer. Bed. She would bring because she'd do facials. That's her mobile facial. So <laughs> oh she'd have massage goodness. bed, the steamer, um, the towel cabbie, 
everything so she could plug it all in. And then we had set up the system so it would move, we could manually move this around pretty quickly. But And then I'd go sit in Starbucks because I was self-employed at the yeah. time. And I would just go sit there and work for a few hours. And then she would text me like, I'm done. And then I would drive back and load it all up. So that was in the beginning, beginning like 2006 when we were mobile for about three, four months. It was too crazy. It was. So, yeah. And then and then I, I painted her places and I would help her do the financials a little bit. But eventually 2011 is when everything went haywire and she came to me and said, I really need you to join a team. Yeah. I can't manage. And this person's stealing. And I don't know what I'm doing. I'm beginning to realize that I didn't know what I didn't know. That was yeah. My, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's worked out because amazingly I don't do lashes and I'm horrible at beauty. So she does that really well. And she's also kind of the, really the, she's the one who has all the ideas. I mean, she's always mm-hmm. being kind of the visionary. And I said, I want you to continue to be the visionary. My job in every company I've worked for, I was always the like the right-hand man. That was my job. Like, you give me a bunch of things to do, and I'll just make it happen. I'll work 80, 90, 100 hours. I don't care. And I'll make sure that your vision becomes a reality. And that was always my job. I grow, I feel like everywhere I've worked before this. So mm-hmm. it felt really natural to come in to Tusney, who is this, really is a visionary. She thinks differently outside the box, isn't your normal kind of person. And But there comes with huge challenges. Like Tusney has no idea in space and time where she no, is. No, it's true. I mean, <laughs> if you walk with me anywhere, like you'll, I'll just be turning left and right and people are like, no, it's this way, it's this way. Like, <laughs> like we were at the team-based pay conference and every day we walk out of that hotel room and she want to go left. And like, Tess, it's always right. And for three days, she would go left every time. I'm like, nope, let's go right again. And so that's kind of like my job. I'm just there to fill in the gaps, help her do things. And, you know, now the company's gotten bigger. We need more help than just me. Um, we realize mm-hmm. I'm not able to do everything anymore. But it's been cool. I mean, it's been a perfect match because, really, she loves training. She loves doing lashes, really. And then she, she yeah. also has really got the vision. So what was your reaction when she came to you? Did you see that? coming like did you see that in your future one day or maybe just not then or like what was your reaction good question yeah. um Tell me. well i mean yeah i never told her this though <laughs> it was the worst day of my life no um <laughs> oh no it's like oh my gosh now i have to go work for my wife no and actually <laughs> we when we first got married we had this naive dream because i used to want to be a writer you know okay mm-hmm. that, the cat's out of the bag okay really wow uh so i want to be a writer and we had this idea one day because she was she actually wasn't was a good chef good cook and she actually got accepted into the CIA, not the, the Secret Service or the government agency, but Culinary Institute of America when we first got married. Oh. So she was going to go there and like work in restaurants. And we had and I had worked in restaurants as a waiter and a manager. So we thought, well, it would be really cool one day. They have our own little shop. We're going to move to Santa Barbara. We'll have a little cafe. We'll run it there. We'll live upstairs or something like that. And we'll just run this little place, just her and me. And it'll be cute and small. So one day we will work together. And that was kind of like this long-term yeah, naive nice dream. Kind of idea that we would one day do something together. We just didn't. We had a customer service background. Yeah, we just didn't know realize it was going to be lashes. So in 2011, when she came to me and said, "Wow, everything's falling apart," I was like, "Wow!" And I had been working in the film industry for 15 years, not as a writer, sadly, but I was in product and based in development, which is similar. And so I did that. I loved it. It was a blast. But really, when this came along, I had already been helping her for five, six years anyway. And it just really it was like the writing on the wall. It's like, you know what? This is the right thing to do. And we always wanted to work together anyways. And you know what? I wasn't making millions in Hollywood. So it wasn't like I was giving up this huge, successful career. Um, and working with her sounded like a lot of fun. And it what has been. It's been the greatest thing ever. And I wish we started like when our 20s, it would have been probably even more cool. The fun thing about it is that we do work really well together as a team. I, I have some friends that are couples that are like, oh, we can't work together, that kind of thing. But, you know, we, we have one car, and so we're always together. We're always we're always downloading each other. I, if I come back uh, to see how he's doing the other day, it's like the cool thing about it is is that we're a team, and we're united together in what we're doing professionally, and that's, yeah. that's a really fun, fun thing to do. I think we're only apart from each other, really, when we're asleep. And when two lashes, well, you're no, but you're apart. Like I'm not with you. Like I'm not like when we're sleeping. Like I, yeah, I got that. Maybe you are when you're sleeping, (laughs) but I'm not conscious. But otherwise, when she's doing lashes, otherwise, I feel like every minute of my day is with her. And maybe that sounds terribly codependent, but. But we we spent most of the early years not together a lot. Like we were always apart. I worked long hours, 15 hours a day in Hollywood. I mean, we were long days apart. So for us to be able to hang out 
and be together and work together and have lunches and dinners and talk about shop and uh, it's so much fun. I literally, it's the greatest thing. Part of our job, I think, is it's going to be with her all the time. I dig you too. I dig, yes. <laughs> Thank you. That's one thing I noticed about you guys when I met you guys. I guess I met you guys about a month ago. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. And even how you guys talk to each other on the show, y'all are really respectful of each other. You usually let each other finish y'all's thought. And I just noticed when, I don't know, anytime I'm around any other couples, they kind of like, they're not as sweet in, in everything. And I'm sure y'all have y'all's moments. Oh, yeah. Y'all just really, y'all really, <laughs> y'all just look like such a good match. Like y- y'all look like you balance each other out really well. And y'all are really respectful of each other. So that probably matters so much when you work together. Yeah, thank you. So I want to know about when Erica came on board. I want to hear from Erica, like, why did you choose to work for Integrity Lash? Yeah, so this is a fun question. I was working at a salon across the street. I could mm-hmm. you can look out the skin. window right now and see yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and I was an esthetician, so I was doing facials, waxing, makeup, spray tan. And I started doing lashes. Actually, um, Megan from Wink trained me. She was how I got certified. I so, forgot about I that. Totally I forgot about that. Yeah, 20, I don't even know. That. I'm so bad with like, years. I don't remember. 2015. I don't know. Well, you've been um, here three years. Is when and you... it's 2018. Yeah, 2015. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I actually, the salon that I was at, um, they, they were amazing. I started as a receptionist. I went to school, and they let me work there as a receptionist while I was in school. And then the owner was like, well, you're, you're just, gonna be an esthetician here right like you're gonna work here and I was like I didn't even think about that okay <laughs> and so I, I just kind of like you know kind of fell into that and then when I decided to get trained for lashes it was because it was a I mean it was a commission salon and I needed a leg up on the other girls there were three other estheticians and they had been there for a long time and I was like you know struggling for clients and I was like this is not this is not working I need to offer something they don't offer. So that's why I got into lashes and I've always been detail oriented. And we spent one day on it and I went to a provincial school and it was only because my teacher was like, Hey, like there's this thing with called lash extensions. Do you guys, I have a kit cause I got certified a long time ago. Do you guys want to see that? And I was like, yeah, sure. Or we were all like, yeah, why not? There were only like seven students or whatever. And so I remember that day I was like, I actually like really like this. It kind of felt like it came naturally and it, it was always in the back of my mind. So after I got certified, I just kind of started offering it at that salon and mm-hmm. I just did not like being alone. The only one doing lashes. Cause I was like, I have so many right. questions and I will always say that I'm Google smart. I'll just Google until I find an answer, but it's different with lashes because you have to be hands on. And I was not finding answers and my pictures, like I was seeing pictures on the inter- or on Instagram and I was like, I don't know how these people are getting these results, but I need to figure it out. And I had heard of integrity, not only because they were across the street, but someone who had worked at the other salon I was at came to integrity to do lashes. And so I always knew that they were just right around the corner. And so I, I basically ended up doing the same thing. <laughs> I left to go to integrity and do lashes. And it was because I wanted, I still wanted to be in a team environment. I didn't, I had no interest in doing it on my own. And I, it was because the, the work that I saw online, I was like, these are classic lashes, but these are unlike any classic lashes I've ever seen. Like I'm Mm -hmm. missing something. So that's how, that's, that's how. And so I remember thinking like, how can I get an interview with them? I don't know how this works. And I, I think I went on Craigslist and there was yeah. a post that they were hiring and I was like, it's written in the stars. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, then, then I jumped on board. Well, you know, I want to say um, a couple things about this. I, I was really proud of you, how you, how you came on. Uh, Erica had invested uh, at least a year with, with that salon. And, and I remember telling you, I don't, I don't want to poach you. And I want to make sure that you're leaving with your owner's blessing because it's not going to work out for me yeah. if she doesn't give you that blessing. Just because I, 
I know what it's like as a business business owner. And to her credit, because of your great worth, work ethic, you know, she said she was happy for you when, yeah. when she when you, when you said, you know what, I'm going to go specifically just lashes. And she mm-hmm. said, go. And I even called her and yeah. said, we're interviewing one of your employees, but I don't, we don't want to poach her. And so we had done that in the past, actually, and we felt totally dirty. <laughs> and we had this great idea about seven, eight years ago, like, I know, we'll just take seasoned stylists from other salons and we'll never have to train anyone. And it was, yeah, we were just stupid idiots. And so, and then when Erica came around, we decided to do it differently. So I, I remember talking to the, the owner and she was so sweet and she was happy for Erica. She said, you know what? This is better for Erica. This is where she gets to be do lashes only. That's really her passion. She's really good at it. We're kind of mostly a hair salon with some, you know, other services. And so it's not such a good match. And so uh, she was like, yeah, so I, in some ways we talk about, should we pay like a, like a trade? Like yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll trade you uh, this person for this person and pay you <laughs> money or whatever. But she was super cool. And Erica was a blessing awesome. and more. I mean, really, really more than we expected. We, we lucked out. We really Aww, did. We lucked we did. out, man. So, and Erica, you're part of the leadership team at Integrity. And I just want to hear from Paul and Tessany. Why did you guys feel like Erica should be part of the leadership team? Several reasons. One of the the biggest ones is that Erica fully absorbs um, the information. She processes it and then she owns it. It becomes part of her DNA. So she 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 internalizes it and then she upholds it. So she's a really good example. Somebody who has taken what I've taught and then can produce excellent work from that. And it's Mm -hmm. part of her DNA. So whatever she's working with somebody else or she's measuring their potential work up to, you know, hers or mine. And, and it, it, those principles are, are guiding for her. So she's a, a kind of an embodiment of um, what it means to be a learner and it's also um, a teacher, a teacher yeah. too. And that's just new for us. That's something that we're moving into. But mm-hmm. I think to Erica who taught at both IVS and ISSE is a great teacher. She understands the information. She knows how to explain information well. Mm-hmm. She's confident. And those are great steps or, you know, things that really give her leadership. She also knows how to think. So it's not just because I tell her something or this is the rule. She will go a little bit further and say, well, what's the why? You know, yeah. wanting mm-hmm. to understand that. Another thing that why she's on the uh, leadership team is she can have difficult conversations with people. And that has included difficult conversations with us, you know, when we've missed the mark with our team, you know, or we're uh, not representing our best or being our, the best versions of ourselves. She can come alongside and say, Hey, you're messing up here. Or, uh, you know, this, you should reconsider this or mm-hmm. don't wear those shoes. You said you don't want clumpy shoes in the salon and you're wearing clumpy <laughs> shoes. So, you know, yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Now, she's very disciplined in that sense and, and is very good at, you know, like I know, like I'll, I share this in our podcast, but she did this just last night, just texted me an area where I was kind of not getting it. She's really good at thinking what's best for the client and what's best for the team. She's kind of mm-hmm. like that way as a conscience for us because I am such a fly by night guy. I'm so impulsive. I just kind of go in the moment and I don't always think of the, of the consequences. Like what will this mean a, a day or maybe a minute from now. Um, so, and Eric is very good at that. She's always like, well, we need to think, what would this mean to the clients? And what will they, will they, this affect them the bad way or, or our team? Like, I think if we do this, this will have a bad effect on the team. And she's always been very good at having, being sensible and, and that's leadership. That's being empathetic mm-hmm. and having that smart intelligence to be able to put yourself in other people's shoes and see it from their perspective. And I think that's really helped us as a team. And it was really a welcome part to have her be part of our crew in the leadership team because of that. Yeah. Leaders are so important because they, they're kind of the, they're bridging the gap between the other artists and the owners usually, or the managers. And I, I just was curious why you guys wanted her to be a part of that. And Erica, do you, do you feel like you've, you still face like struggles even now after being with the team a, a few years, like, what kind of things do you have to juggle being on the leadership team? I think for me, just what first comes to my mind, I think is like, what what are we wanting to do in the future and how can we get there and how can we do it with excellence? I think 
the perfection bug in me is really wanting to do something in an excellent way. And so my struggle is because I'm so opposite of Paul because he will like fly by the seat of his pants, but he doesn't just do it like randomly. There is a method to his madness, but for me, I'm like, Oh, we could do that better. But then I'm like, but I don't own the company. So like, how much can I step in? You know? So that's always a struggle for me is like, well, if I were to do that, I would have done it way differently. And Mm -hmm. so learning how to give my two cents and my vision while still honoring their vision. I think that's where it's at. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm sure like just really good communication is important because sometimes you might think it's a like super simple, but you know, Paul or, or Tessany may see something like, or know something else or, or something, but it's good for both sides to explain, I guess, what findings they have to come to the best solution because sometimes one side or the other doesn't know everything, you know? Yeah. I don't always know all the moving parts. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. I, I think that's what though I like Erica for is like in social media, you know, anyone that looks at our social media, our social media happens not because I wanted to look bad. <laughs> it happens because we just aren't set up to have anyone do it. Erica, we want to get her on because when she does it, she does it wonderfully. And she's got style and then some, and she's got the best eye in this group. Um, Her problem is that we need her in the room doing lashes. (laughs) So it's a struggle to get her. And we hope next year we're going to see her moving off that and really begin to take more ownership of our social media and be able to run with that. Until then, you get me, this this weirdo, kind of doing a lot of social media. And sometimes it misses the mark. But like I've told... Erica and she knows me. I I'm about shoot ready aim. We just start doing it because we don't do it, then that's even worse. Like just ignoring mm-hmm. the social media and not doing it at all, mm-hmm. then you don't exist. If you're not online, yeah. you don't exist. And so I'd rather exist right now and do it some and knowing that a better version of it is coming. Cause then when it does get better, feel like, oh, this is so <laughs> much better. Thank goodness yeah. for Erica. You know, it's like and her star will rise. And that's what I really want in our team is our team to rise. And for them to be the stars, it's not about me. It's not about Tess. It's about us. And, you know, that moment will come. And that God willing, next year when you see our social media, there will be big improvements coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So whenever you moved from just an artist to a leadership role, was it a little awkward to, to just all of a sudden be not in charge of peers, but kind of be above some of the peers. Was that a weird transition for you? I don't know if it was weird. I don't know. I don't know if it was weird or awkward. I think I kind of was always that way in a way <laughs> from day one. She was uh, her conscience all right from the yeah. get go. She pulls me aside all the time. Like, Hey, you yeah. know, I don't know if this is really the best for the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for me, I can be very black and white sometimes. Like I love rules and I, because I see the value and reason behind them and, and that they'll make everything better. Yeah. But, um, I think that's where I've struggled is, is because I can be black and white. And I think sometimes the team can't see my heart, which yeah. that's something that we've always, you know, kind of like been working on in the background. Yeah. I think for me, it's just like, I, I just, the weirdness or awkwardness is I want people to see the my reason why and my heart behind things and I I'm not always great at communicating that or showing that so it can feel like oh like do they see me as a leader because I I don't know if that came across the right way and so I think that that's always kind of a struggle probably with I mean most people but the it didn't really feel like a transition because in my heart I always felt I always felt that ownership, I think. You yeah, you did. You've taken yeah. ownership. Yeah. And I think we've seen that. That's our biggest struggle in, 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 in communication for all of us. I mean, I think for mm-hmm. me, the big bug in our company is communication. And I think for you, it's sometimes, like you said, you you have the right heart. We know you so well. And I hear you. I'm like, oh, yeah, Eric is totally dead on. That Listen to her. Amen. And then I hear something mm-hmm. like, well, da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, just like, I have this problem. I say something, I think I said it great, but people don't know your heart sometimes. It got lost in translation. It got lost in translation. Or with me, I think that's my biggest problem. It gets lost in translation way too many times. And (laughs) it's hard. When you're a leader, you you don't realize that if you don't say it, it doesn't always get heard. And you have to really make sure you're trying to get, what are they hearing? What are they listening to? What words did they take away? Mm -hmm. Because maybe they didn't take away what you thought you said. So it's tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always have that problem when I go home from a meeting. I always am like, 
dang it, did they really get it? Or did I say that wrong? Or I hope they know that I, I meant well. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's it's a thing for sure. So I want to talk to you guys about team-based pay. What's that? <laughs> Y'all have been doing it for a while and you're the reason why a lot of people in the lash industry specifically have started looking into it. And so can you just explain what it is first and then we'll talk about why you guys chose to do it in the first place yeah the big thing team-based pay has, there's a little bit a little bit of a misunderstanding what it is because a lot of people hear pay and they focus on that because that's the last word team-based pay and i've always mm. kind of told neil and if neil if you listen to this you know god bless you i love you but i think it should be team-based culture mm-hmm. or team-based systems i mean that's really unsexy but because it's not just about pay and a lot of people when they first hear about it, get caught up in the pay 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 because like it's commission versus hourly plus bonus team-based Pay is a it's a whole way new way of thinking of how you do a salon. It's, it's not just different paradigm. It's a different paradigm. So it's not just about doing changing your pay for your team. It's actually in a lot of ways I think becoming a more responsible owner and really taking ownership and really caring even more for your team. And it's because you're it's man your team is your number one asset. I don't know when we first started doing this, I cared more about our clients than their, my team. And I didn't realize that, but that's what really was going on. My team heard me talking and I've struggled with this always, but I've gotten better in these last few years that you know, when I talk, they're the most important, the team's the most important person. If I don't have a team, I can't serve any clients. And I have to really focus, make sure I put systems in place that create good boundaries, that create good expectations up front, good communication so that the team can succeed and grow and thrive. And so team-based pay allows us to put in a better pay system that's very clear, defined. It has, there's a pathway to success. So you know what you need, what's expected of you so you can move forward and meet these benchmarks and, and grow in your career. And that means investing in training and really equipping your staff regularly with better customer service, better skills for blood lashes. It's, it's all these different things, better, you know, communication. So we have all these tools now for communication so that we really make sure that we know what's going on. Like, I know when someone's checked out in our company now. It's no longer a mystery. Like, before, I'm like, I don't know, maybe they're checking out. With team-based pay, you get all these tools, so you're very much in tune, and you're very much in connection with every team member, and you have that sense, like, okay, this, there's a problem here. So all these things, I know it's a very broad definition here, but it's really about doing business in a way that's better for your team. And ultimately, because that's better for you, it's better for your company. You're mm-hmm. going to have a more successful and more happy company. And you'll get the, you know, the big one for a lot of people, get control of your budget. Budget yeah. people, most people who get beyond one or two employees don't understand budgeting because they don't care, don't need to. But once you get past that first one or two, budgeting is your like your way you're going to define everything and make all your decisions. And without that budget, you're just going to be running amok. Mm-hmm. So, Team-based pay is also, it's a foundation, it's a structure, it's the scaffold that you put your business over yeah. or you run it. You through. build it over, yeah. So it, it's, there's systems, you talked about having good boundaries and things, but the boundaries are for like a boundaries uh, that we put on the clients so that they can relate to the staff in a, in a fair way. So we're protecting them. It's uh, ways that we, we communicate, like we do a, a daily huddle. Every morning we talk about our goal, our financial goal for the day, and then anything else the team needs. So there's there's communication systems already put in. We have a system like a, we gauge different uh, productivity. Well, there are a lot of benchmarks yeah, that will give you once you get into team-based pay. You understand there's benchmarks now because beforehand, a lot of us work in beauty. We, we didn't know there's benchmarks. We just thought What's the benchmark? you just sell as much product as you can if you carry any product. Lots of lash salons don't carry a lot. And then you you know, you know just do as many clients and hopefully you make money. And there's no idea of like, well, what's a healthy benchmark for payroll? What's a healthy benchmark for returning clients? Like we now have certain goals where we want to rebook or pre-book a certain amount of clients. If you don't know what pre-book is, we'll go into another time. But Or productivity, judging your productivity. How productive are you? Because that's going to tell you when you should let someone go or hire someone or when you should raise your prices. And there's all these these benchmarks they give you that really help you make better judges judgments so that you can grow a, a profitable salon. Which, by the way, if you have employees, most people don't have profitable profitable salons. A little fact here: in t- salon today does this big thing called top two hundred salon, and it's a great art issue. If you don't get the top two hundred salon issue of salon today, you should get it, read it, because there's all these great tips, ideas on how you improve your company and do really cool stuff. But they they give you what benchmarks these companies get 
These are the top 200 salons in the nation. These salons are supposed to be killing it. The average profit margin for these top 200 salons is 4%. Wow. That's, that when you think of that, 4%, these are the top. These aren't the average or the bad, which, by the way, if you go to the average salon, I bet you the average salon barely even breaks even if or mm -hmm. runs in the rent. They have to get credit cards, lines of credit, do all sorts of craziness yep. just to survive. Or worse, which is not too uncommon, the employer doesn't get paid or the employee, employer or the boss doesn't get paid at all. Like that's yep, normal. That and, normal. And we run into people all the time are like that. And that's what's broken about our industry. And there's a better way. And that's where team-based pay helps you get that budget, helps you get those systems and helps you get in the place where you can finally have a profitable business. And it's not unusual mm -hmm. for team-based pay salons to be profitable between five and 15%. We're about four to 5%, but I know a lot of salons I've talked to and people being in this for a long time, they're at 10%, 15% productive. They actually have a savings account. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, What's that for a, a beauty salon? Very rarely do they have it. So that's kind of the big picture. So so basically, like like I was saying before, it's a foundation or a scaffold. And then within that scaffold, then the culture of the company can start to thrive. And a team-based culture is a little bit different than a commission culture because the team is is it's all about the team. It's not when you have commission, what it what it tends to breed is people that are they can be successful, but they're only looking at their column. Their column is their schedule. How full is their schedule? They're not looking at anybody else's. And they're mostly concerned with their own clientele. So they're not going to do a touch-up if it doesn't give them any money. Um, or touch-up on another team another member. Team like yeah, another team member messes up or doesn't make a client happy. Getting them to come and do the touch-ups is not an easy thing because they're going to like, well, I'm not going to get paid. Yeah. Or even like going to the bank or a sweeping the back room. It's like, I don't get paid to sweep the back room. I get paid to do lashes yeah. or cut hair or something like that. And it's true because if they're on commission, they're not going to make anything from that. So it, it, it it's a challenge for people. You, you do get those people that are, are go-getters and want to succeed in everything they do. But generally people are, are you know, they're motivated by money. And, and that's if that's the culture, if that's the framework, that's what you're going to get with commission. You're going to get people that are really focused on their own schedule. It's a me focus. Yeah. And team-based pay is a we focus. It's about us. We all do better when we're all busy and we're all have clients that are booked. Like when you go to a typical salon, everyone's looking at their column. What they call column vision is what team based or the strategists would call it. They just look at their column and say, oh, wow, I'm booked today. I'm good. They don't care. Now, this is bad news in a team based salon. If one person's booked and everyone else has no clients, that's going to be a bad day for the salon. And the person who's fully booked needs to be aware of that because they're going to say, wait, I'm not going to get that next pay raise because we are not all doing well. We all have to grow. Everyone has to be busy. So that person who's really busy may take more interest now in a team-based culture like Erica does. Like, hey, let me see how I can help someone else to get better. How can mm -hmm. I encourage them? Yeah. Maybe I'll in fact tell the clients who are coming into my books. I'll say, hey, you know what? I know I'm fully booked for the next two months, but you know what? This other gal, she's great. You should get your friends to come and see her too. Or even better, what happens is if they can't get back in with Erica, they'll go and see this other person. They'll just jump over and see them and they won't badmouth each other. Like we've had in the past where someone would be working it's like who did your lashes and like um johnny mm -hmm. it's like well you know what you should come see me because johnny's lashes aren't so good and you know they'll just throw them on the bus and you don't get that catty environment where people are not uh working with the person that they're standing alongside with they're working against them you know uh, because they see them as a threat and that's yeah. not the best environment no, it's not because now in a team-based culture, you know that we're only going to do well when we're all busy and we're all doing well. So we build each other up. We compliment each other. We speak highly of them. If you see someone else's work, let's say it is off the mark. They're still saying, hey, you know what? That's okay. You know, she's great. I totally love her. She does good work. No worries. I'll, we'll take care of this right now. But they don't they don't bash them because they're no benefit in the, in the, in the commission culture. It's all about building up your books and no one else. So you don't care if someone else is not busy. I mean, you can have a nice culture. I'm not saying commission is all about war, but you're not really interested in if someone else isn't busy. It doesn't help you make more money. So how it looks in our salon, um, like when we talk about training or we've got somebody new coming on, what happens is our senior staff comes alongside that new person and kind of shepherds them and, and is let me help you. Let me let me help you work this out. Or um, if they see a problem with the work, they'll come back to them and say, "This is how you can get better." Because they know that they're you know we're all going to do better when this person is up to speed. 
Yeah. So totally. that's how it looks. We threw a lot out there. Hopefully you got something that worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. And I know that, you know, both of us are not speaking about it because we're forced to or paid to. It's really because we've both started to see, or I'm just now starting to see y'all have seen. Yeah what it's done for your company and turned it around. Cause in San Antonio at the conference where I met you guys, you guys got to share with me what y'all kind of painted a picture of what your salon was like and what y'all situation was like before you made the switch. And it was very similar to what I'm, I was going through as Mm -hmm. well. Can you kind of paint that picture briefly so that maybe if anyone else is kind of in the same boat, they can look up strategies and team-based pay. I think the biggest thing for us is I used to tell people we were going to be the most busy salon in Southern California and we were going to go out of business. Oh yeah. And because we didn't understand our costs, we didn't know what our costs per hour were. And, you know, in our industry, we see a lot of people talk about charge what your worth is. And that's great. You know, you should, if you can, (laughs) but what more important question to ask is what are your actual costs? Like, what are you, what is going out your door every time someone comes sit down and sits on your chair? What is your costing you? Because if you don't understand your costs, then you, even if you think you're charging your worth, you still might be losing money. And mm-hmm. so it's really important to, for us, when we were back in 2012, we were literally losing money hand over fist. And we, we were so busy. We we're so busy, but yet we could not turn a profit. I, I had stopped paying myself. Tuss was, had to work literally like 12 hour days, like take as many clients as possible just so we could pay our bills. And it was absolute chaos. We actually had stopped paying the IRS at one point because the IRS knows it. So there's no secret here. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're not like, ah, go get integrity. We just found out for the first time. No, we weren't paying the IRS. And, yeah. and they came actually on our door uh, in 2013, no, was it 2013? Yeah, end of 2013. We had actually already converted team-based pay and we had already started doing things right and getting our finances in order, but we still hadn't, had not had the guts to call the IRS yet. And the IRS showed up on our doors on Christmas Eve of all days on 2013. This agent walks in the door and I know it immediately. She does not fit in. Like there's something about her so different. I'm like, oh, oh my God. gosh, this is the IRS agent. And she goes, she drops and pulls out her badge. Goes, hi, IRS. I need to speak to the owner. And then I'm like, that would be me. And there's other women like waiting to check out. And I'm like, come with me. We'll go in this room. And I just pull her aside and drag her into the room. And I'm like, thank goodness you're here. I tried to make it sound excited. Like, oh, I'm so glad you're here because I've been wanting to fix this. I know we missed some payments earlier this year and we got to fix that. And she's like, yeah, oh my gosh. So we, that was a, that was a hard we were in a mess. But yeah. I think the biggest thing for us is when we, before all that had happened in 2012, we started seeing the bad cash flow and we weren't paid, able to pay things and things were getting tight. I just remember it was one night and I started looking online for hope because there was no hope in our salon. The salon was going out of business. And I started looking and I found strategies white paper on team-based pay. Mm-hmm. And that was for me, I, it was like two in the morning. I was in the kitchen and I remember I came in the room. I woke Tessa up, practically crying. And I said, I found the solution. This is what we got to do. I had already like, bought like five or six hour salon books and all of them had no answers. And this was the first time I read a paper that made sense. Mm-hmm. It said, this is about treating your team with better respect. It's about having principles, about having standards, about having systems. And, and this is what's going to re- revolutionize our, our business and our industry. And I, we talked it over and test, I think half of us was like, ah, all right, if you think it's a great idea, let's do it. Yeah. And we, the next day I called strategies and I got a coach and we started doing it. And like six months later, we or six or seven months later, we converted over to team-based pay and have never looked back without any complaints. It's been the best thing and it's kept us a business. Yeah, it's it's an amazing thing. And um, I, I had the same feeling whenever I uh, found out about it and like actually looked into it. And whenever I went to the conference, I was like, wow, this is it. This is going to save my company because it was headed for disaster. Now, Erica, you're part of the team. And I want to hear from you as somebody that works for a place that does team-based pay. What is it like for the employees? Like, how, how can you speak to that? I feel like there are so many layers to this (laughs) answer because it really is multi-layered. There's honestly, like, I don't feel like there are any cons as an employee. If you're like trying to make a pros and cons list, I, from everything from like just having structure and boundaries 
to even like not having to worry about your, your clientele so much because Mm -hmm. everybody's sharing clients. So you're not trying to struggle finding clients and that, you know, anybody in the beauty industry that can, that can be the hardest part sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think as an employee, there's just so many benefits. Like we, I think oftentimes it's a better end of the deal (laughs) because we do have paid vacation. We have paid sick days. You already provide health insurance, but if you Mm -hmm. have health insurance. Paid breaks now. Oh yeah, Yeah. paid breaks. I mean, there's just honestly so much. I feel like I can't remember a time when I was not in a team-based pay culture. So I'm kind of like blocking everything. (laughs) Beforehand. (laughs) There was a time before and there's a time after. But I mean, there's, there's a lot more accountability. There's really... There's no superiority complex within the team. I think that's really huge. I didn't realize how how much that affected me in other jobs, not even just at a salon, but just in other jobs. Like, there's no reason for me to be better than anybody. And there's no, like, I'm not trying to be the best. Like, I want everybody to be the best because if a client who I love goes to see another team member, she's going to give her the same experience and the same lashes, you know, like there's, Mm-hmm. The last, with any art, it's it's yeah. different because there's always going to be a different design eye that each person has. But the principles, are the there, principles are all there, yeah. and I I can feel confident in that. And like if I have to call in sick, like my day will be covered. There's just like I don't even know. I could go go on forever. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's really cool, and I think it's a really good way to have the the managers and the owner's vision shared with the entire team because for me like the 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 mindset of team-based pay I felt like I already like wanted those things like I wanted someone to care and like to help out and it's just a different way of thinking and it's and it's really cool to hear like even at the conference when they share stories from other teams or like just success stories it's so cool to see like how it's changed everyone's life like and it's even good for the desk girls too mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah see that it's so cool that's my favorite part about team-based pay is that it it's changed the culture so that people are people are invested in in the whole team mm-hmm. and the the pay structure supports that so nobody's working for free they don't feel like they're being taken advantage of to take care of a client or to mm-hmm. sweep the floor, or to mm-hmm. or or to to be kind or serve another team member. It's not- I mean, it's common in a, in a team based or a commission salon to never even get overtime. Like overtime is not a common thing, but our staff knows that they're going to stay late and help out. They're going to get time and a half. Or if they, you know, Erica helps us with stuff at night. She we actually have an app allows us, but she can clock in from home and then she can do the work for us and get paid for that time. You're going to get paid if the client no shows. I mean, it's not good for, you know, the business for that to happen all the time, but there's a safety net there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Especially. Awesome. And when you're starting out, it's, it's the best. Cause at that point you come on and you're going to work eight hours a day and you're going to get paid for eight hours and you can build your budget. And then it gets better. Cause obviously as you stay longer, the pay goes up and our goal for all our staff is to pay them more than they could make hourly or on their own just by yes. staying for longer. Like that loyalty factor is so important to us. And so you, you know, when you're there three, four, five, six years, and if you were to sit down and even try to fa- figure out the commission idea, you're like, well, no, I couldn't do this. I couldn't make that kind of money, even if I was doing, you know, commission. Um, and that's mm-hmm. what's so cool. And, there, and then if you're in California, by the way, if you're a team-based pay salon right now, you don't have to deal with all the craziness that's going on in our industry. California is blowing up right now as far as salons go. There's all these things are now messed up. Why don't you? Well, just if you're if, if you're a 1099, if you're an independent contractor working in a salon, you can no longer do that. You're actually technically a legal uh, classification. The state of California now considers you an employee, which you really are. And but then mm-hmm. salon's been paying you as a 1099, so they'll have to pay your payroll taxes. Maybe they make you pay for your own insurance. Maybe they do all these other things that are technically legal. And so now the good news is California's on board saying that's not right. You, you know, as employers, you should take care of your employees and protect them. You should be paying workers comp for them. So if they got injured, they have a backup plan. You should be doing these things. And that's one. That was one rule in this year. And the second one is um, if you are um, a commission employee, you now have to at least get paid hourly 
which means you have to get double minimum wage in California plus commission on top of that. And that's for every hour you're in the salon. In the old days, people just paid for when they were working. Now you have to be paid in California for the day you walk in through that door to the moment you walk out. You have to be paid for every second you're in that salon. And that's and then again, that's the right thing to do. I mean, people shouldn't be sitting around in between clients or two hours sweeping the floors or helping man phones or do something and not get paid for that time. They really should. I mean, they're there. And they're taking time out of the day. And that's what team-based pay does for you. It really does. And, and I know at first some people listen to this and go, oh, my gosh, I can't afford all that. They're going to teach you how to budget correctly so you can. It takes time. you got to learn math. you got to learn numbers. But you'll get there. You'll be able to make it work. Yeah. And when you say they, we're talking about strategies. Yeah. not that They know there's some ambiguous they. There's these people out there in the Ethernet that yeah. help you. Or <laughs> no. doesn't, you know, help you Neil Dukoff is the uh, founder of strategies. And like Shelby said, we're not getting paid for this, but we just so believe. But in, we'll take money, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> we so believe in what, what they teach because they've empowered us to be learn how to be profitable and learn how to manage and predict uh, with regularity, what income we're going to have, what's coming in and, and how to manage. Well, and I'll just say this too. I, if I had to move or, you know, if I had to quit working here cause I moved or whatever, I would never go back to a commission salon. I just would never go back. And I think that kind of speaks for itself right. with any situation. There are pros and cons, but like, I just, I can't imagine the stress and then, and even if you are at a salon with other people being on commission, you're still alone. Like you're working, you know, you are only concerned about your own books and you are the sole, like you're the only one that's doing anything for yourself. So you, you're like responsible for every single last thing. And I just like, I, yeah, the pros do outweigh the cost. And I will say this. I don't want to sound like bashed every commission salon out there. There are a lot of commission salons out there where the culture is good, that people do support each other, and they're unique. I think they're unique. I don't think that's the normal commission salon out there. Yeah. But there are mm-hmm. good commission salons. Now, I will say they're probably not profitable. The owner probably exactly. is, not, mm-hmm. is probably not getting paid anything close. In fact, the owner might, more likely is making less than the front desk. That is an accurate depiction of where I was, and that's why I'm yeah. trying to switch. Yeah, and, sure. and maybe front, some front desk people, they, they should make more than the owner, but <laughs> that's that's okay. <laughs> but I think, yeah, everyone really, I think if they're sitting down, oh, I think it should be nice to have my owner, my boss, should make at least a decent living too. I mean, I don't think they're really mm-hmm. mad to find out that, like, oh, they make a livable wage? Good. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to switch gears and ask you guys about y'all's podcast mm-hmm. and you guys have, y'all have all three of you that do this podcast. And I want to ask all of you, why did y'all start? Whose idea was it? Did y'all have any struggles? Do y'all still have struggles? No struggles at all. <laughs> In fact, we just snap our fingers <laughs> and it makes itself. <laughs> well, let's see. We kind of do things a little bit differently. Um, and so we wanted uh, a form that we could talk about that. But the biggest issue, what, one of the reasons why I wanted um, a forum to talk about it, uh, to talk about these things, was I felt like sometimes the lash industry can be a little bit insular and a little bit protective and not wanting to share. And I thought to myself, I don't really like that environment. I don't really, I don't think that's encouraging. And so I thought, well, how can I, how can I contribute to this in a positive way? How could I? how can I get more friends? Really? That's really what it came down. How can, how can I get more friends and, and find an area where, where I, I, you know, I need support. So then I thought to myself, okay, well, we're going to have to support other people. Let's support other people in their new endeavors. And let's talk about all the ways that we failed so that we can show people that we're on, they're on their side and we want them to learn from the mistakes that we've made. So let's, let's do this podcast. I, I wanted people to be able to be sharpened mm-hmm. and create a, a place where there's safety. Um, you can discuss discuss hard topics and, and be encouraged and not torn down about it. And so I didn't mm-hmm. know any other way than to, to kind of create a dialogue by doing this. It, it was hard to go online. I, I tried this for a very short time and learned quickly not to do it ever again. And Tara Walsh said the same thing when I talked to her about it. She would go online and I went online. And I would try to help people with their problems. Oh, my God. And yes. it was just such a dumb idea. It's like because I thought people actually wanted to learn or at least hear some 
different views or ideas. I mean, no offense, yeah. when you've been in business for you know almost 13 years like us, we've tried a lot of things and failed at a lot of things. And there's a lot of misinformation business and Lashwise out there. And I just thought, but no one wanted it. I would start talking or texting or, or, or I guess DMing or whatever it was, posting. And oh my gosh, I just get destroyed. And I was like, okay. And plus, plus I'm a guy. I mean, what the heck do I know? So I, and I don't do lashes. <laughs> and so, and yeah, I, I know, I think I joke sometimes. I know a lot more about lashes than a lot of people who've been doing sure lashes do. for a year or two. Um, just because of Tusney and Erica, they, they teach me. So, and I think we just said, we got to create a platform where we could talk about things and, and share things. And, and you know, amazingly, when you get a podcast, you become an authority. Like, even if you're not, you don't mm-hmm. realize, you know, you know, I don't think we know it all by any means. And that's why we, we always are open to feedback and questions. And we're always trying to learn and listen and read and all that. But at the same time, it gave us a platform to share our ideas of how we do business, how we do lashes, because there weren't a lot of people talking like us in the industry. And we thought mm-hmm. but at the same time, as soon as we did, there's all these people coming out of woodworks like, oh, my gosh, there's someone like me. There's well, someone I like me. I struggled in the same way. Yeah. exactly what you're talking about. We're like, yes. Yes. So there's this tribe. And we, you know, very much a Seth Godin fan here. So we're about building our tribe and we're like let's just build our tribe we're we're kind of weirdos we're kind of odd and we don't fit in at, in a lot of ways we're kind of like the nerdy kid in the and you know, the, 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 the dance so we'll find the other nerdy kids who like the way we do lashes and like, like the way we do business and we'll encourage them and we'll support them and then for all the other people who think we're weird that's okay too because they got their tribe and they'll they'll hang out and we'll we can all hang out and be friends we don't have to be, you're wrong, we're right. So we're we just, competitive with people. We just, you know, I just, we, we can be supportive. Of yeah. One we can have a place where we can sure. friendships. Well, and it was so organic too, actually starting yeah. it because I think Tuss was feeling that because we do do lashes really differently. And I, and I think I was on Facebook forums. Paul was on Facebook forums or groups, I guess. Yeah. You say. Groups, yeah. And I think we, I, I remember in the break room, because we also listen to podcasts while we do lashes. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Paul had it in the back of his mind. I had it in the back of my mind. I was like, Paul, we should do a podcast. Yeah. And then it was kind of just like, yeah, that's the platform. That's it. That's, it. that's yeah. totally because all lash artists listen to if they're not listening to music, they're listening to podcasts. Yeah. And like this For is sure. perfect. Or it know? should, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Books on tape or whatever that is. Audible. Audible. Yeah. And and that's what it, it was like we all looked at each other and just said, Yeah, we should be doing this because at that time, this is la- over a year ago. This is in 2017, like summer, I think, of 2017. And there had only been one person at that point that ever did it, and that was Lash Attic Radio. I don't know if you remember. I forget her name. She was very sweet. And she did it for about know, six months or a year. She tried, and then she gave up, I guess. And I was like, there's no one doing it. I remember going on, on Instagram or on um, hey. I- iTunes. And I just kept looking and no one's doing it. There was a lot of beauty podcasts, but no last one. So um, we said, let's do it last summer, a year, a year and a half ago almost. We said, let's do it. And it took us like six months to get off the ground. I think we recorded our first episode in October and we didn't actually publish it until like January because so many things went wrong. Mm-hmm. We couldn't get the first, I, I think we couldn't get from our engineer the first, uh, we had the time a guy recorded for us. He wouldn't give it to us. <laughs> it's yeah. like, can you please give me the audio track? I need to post it. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to it whenever I do, man. I'm sorry. I'm just really busy. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Well, we were going to a recording studio. Yeah. And because we were like, well, I mean, Paul with his, like, film industry background and me with my, like, you know, everything has to be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> we were kind of like, let's find, like, yeah. a real studio. And Make so he was yeah. hoarding. Well, he wasn't hoarding them. I think he just. You know, didn't manage his time. No, best, he but. was. He's the nicest guy. I don't want bad mouth him in that sense. But he was disorganized. And I think that was, that yeah. hurt us and it slowed us down and made it very difficult to launch our podcast. But hey, we stuck by it, didn't give up, and here we are. <laughs> nice. So you guys also help out the industry by doing. Y'all have the Integrity Lash Boot Camp. Can one of you just real quick tell me what that's all about and how they can, um, how any listeners can maybe get in touch about that? Yeah, well, we have uh, two choices, two programs. One's a two-day and then uh, the other one's like a five-day. And we discuss and and talk and demonstrate about our our classic lash technique, um, which is a little bit different. We talk about, you know, not working flat on the pad and popping the lashes up. 
bonding the whole extension onto the lash itself versus just at the base, which gives it a much better mechanical fit, which allows the lash to grow out more naturally. And it also lasts longer, holds up longer. Our average clients about once every four weeks for our salon. Mm -hmm. And that industry average is probably two to three weeks. So that was something that we thought we would bring to the table, share a different approach to lashing, not, not a better one, just a different one. We just thought, man, if people want options, they should learn every technique there's out there so that they, based upon the client's needs, they can do a different technique. So if someone wants mm -hmm. super mega volume, go crazy with that. But if you want uh, maybe something that's a little more last longer, last a little longer, like a lot of our clients are very high end doctors, business owners, lawyers, nurses. So they, they want a more natural look. They're not looking to look like they're going to Vegas. So they want mm -hmm. something that will look and last a long time because they also don't have to come back every two they weeks. They don't want people to know that they have lashes. Yeah. Actually. So it has mm -hmm. to look really, really subtle. Um, so we share that technique. We also yep. talk a lot about how to manage the allergy and our consult goes through a lot of that. Yeah, it's just a different approach. It's just another way. So we have the two day to five day. The two days really meant for someone who's been doing lashes for probably a couple of years or more. And just looking for a new challenge. And also I say, well, you'll attract a higher end client with this because we do 150 lashes per eye. And, no, and you're only going to learn how to do that if you have loops, which is we do give them you loops, the medical loops, which aren't better, which are better than magnifiers that you see a lot of people using. They're not cheap. Mm -hmm. They're going to cost you a thousand to fifteen hundred, but they really are a game changer. Like you see more lashes than you ever could see, and so you get to practice that when you're with us and try them out, see if you like them. Everyone in our staff who's ever gotten them is always they all have to wear them. It's not an option. But mm -hmm. when they leave or if they leave, they're always like, I'll never ever not do lashes without loops again. It changes it. Mm -hmm. So you can get a lot more lashes on and. That type of classic look really appeals to certain people. And so that's the two-day yeah. class. Five-day class, we say, is for someone – I won't say beginner. We, we're thinking beginners. It, it's too hard. It's Yeah, mm -hmm. it's really not ideal for a beginner because you need to be able to pick up a, a lash from the, from the palette and you need to be able to isolate before you can start because this technique requires the most amount of precision. And mm -hmm. you, you can't manage all of that if you if you're just learning how to put in a, a pad gel pad on the eye. You you're you're right. it's not it's not you need to take those basic classes and, and get some good muscle memory before yeah. you can attempt this. So if you've been doing lashes for six months, then the five day class would say is really perfect for you. And well, we had someone recently just took it and it was a person been doing lashes for eight years and she is like, you know, still so thankful she took the five day class mm -hmm. because it took her really about to the fourth day before things really began to click and make sense for her and do well. So five-day class is really for those who are really, really like Erica or just want to get it right and really be uh, perfectionist about it. And you need that kind of time to be able to learn and get nailed down the technique. Right. I like that you guys say um, like this is just another way of doing it because um, I, I actually teach not the complete opposite, but we do teach putting at the base of the lash and so it's just interesting to he to hear about it like done another way because it's not necessarily wrong. It's not the way we do it. But the fact that you talk about that there is a certain clientele that, that needs it done that way is important to kind of like know everything. So right. I think it's interesting. So how can they enroll in, into one of the boot camps? Yeah. If you go to our Instagram, there's a link on our Instagram feed, either at Integrity Lash or at Lashcast Podcast. There's a feed there that you can just click on the link in our bio and that'll take you straight to the page where you can buy pay for the classes. We just announced when this comes out, though it's been probably over a month by the time this is aired, but um, we just announced our dates through next May. So we have classes set from April or January through May. And one of the good things, by the way, just another plug here, if you go to ISSE and you see us at ISSE and you take one of our pay classes there, which is a Long Beach show that the PVA puts on every year in January, you will get a voucher discount to one of our future classes. So you can go in, take some classes from that there, and then get a voucher that you can redeem and get a discount for future training. But that'd be the best way. Or go to our website, um, you know, integritylash.com and look up Integrity Lash Bootcamp and you'll find it there. And we, one last plug here. We actually have mm -hmm. a Facebook group called Integrity Lash Bootcamp. It's private, but if you, you you just look it up, you can ask to be invited in and then you'll get stuff and little tips and videos from us there that we do from our training. And then, of course, you can get, contact us through that to train or sign up for training, too. Nice. You know, Shelby, I wanted to, um, you, you said something, I just wanted to pick up on that, you know, that you do things a little bit differently. It is great that you do things differently. It's great that other people do things different than the way we do. The way we do things is not 
the right way for everybody. No. It's the right mm-hmm. thing for us. And for people who have the same needs that we do, we're happy to share that. But I, one thing about the lash industry, I want it to be okay to say, I do things differently. And, and for somebody mm-hmm. to say, yeah, I, I do things differently too. And, and for other people to be like, that's great. Instead of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you do it that way. You know, there's no, there's no right or wrong. It's just what's right for you. It's not, it's not a moral situation, right? I mean, we say this in hair all the time. I mean, the hair world, oh my goodness, there's so much diversity and so many different ways of doing things. And yet in the last world, it felt like there's such a narrow view at times, at least it has been in the past. I see it broadening, but in the last hair world, you don't see that they're like celebrating. Oh my gosh, this guy does hair this way. He's so crazy. He's so creative. And we, they get, they love it. And they, and they go to trainings from that guy. And then, but in our world, there's a little bit more, I guess, fear, maybe because it's a new industry and we just don't realize you can color outside the lines. It's okay. You're not going to, no last place are going to show up and throw you in jail. It's okay. (laughs) And the thing is, is that, you know, there's, there's enough clients for everybody. The pie is big enough. There's there's yeah. and 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 what makes up the pie is different people and those people have different needs you know so what works for us isn't going to work for you and your clients you know so if what we say if if you don't like how we do lashes that's fine i, I bless that it's just it's not right for you but you know yeah. i'll do it All right. Well, thank you so much for listening today. If you would like to hear me be interviewed by them on their show, just search for the LashCast podcast. I'll be linking it below in the show notes as well. You can keep up with them on Instagram at the LashCast podcast or at Integrity Lash. If you've not yet subscribed to receive Lash Boss newsletters from me, you can do so by clicking the link in the show notes or also the link on my Instagram bio. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and I will see you back very soon for episode 30.